It's hungtgirl.com spelled just like my name here. You can actually just click on the pictures and they are free videos or if you're on an old school computer or laptop enable the Adobe plugin like you do here and it's free to do that and once you do the videos will start playing for you automatically you'll get more free videos that way also so I recommend that um, you can check out me and my friends there get a subscription make a donation or just enjoy the free content all of the above are very much appreciated I thank you for that um, as you can see here and as you can check out there on the site on the Naked Truth pages or the Living Water Chapel pages you can see what we do here and that is actually go over the Gospels of Jesus Christ chapter by chapter and verse by verse I didn't let the plug-in play for you because it's adult content and that's not what this part of me is about this part of me is about the spiritual side that I believe exists in all of us so if you want get your fill on that and check out this there also afterward if you like or if you want read along with us here now um, I identify as a Christian and as a Christian I believe Jesus Christ who the whole thing is named for should get the last word on any given topic so that's what we focus on here the red letters of Christianity and what Jesus actually had to say about things um, so this part is for believers if you're not a believer I totally understand if you're curious then feel free to stick around um, so we're gonna pick up where we left off anyway at the book of Matthew and um, in case you don't know I said focus on the red letters of Christianity because if you check out the whole Bible only about in the general uh, Bible you find out uh, find in the most places in the United States like King James there are about 66 books only about a tenth of those or what we know as a tithe turns out to be um, Christian teaching actual words of Jesus so that again is what we focus on because it's who it's named for why wouldn't he get the last word so on chapter 18 is where we left off and uh, this is the passage that stood out to me um, about the last reading uh, this is not the passage that stood out to me so let me just grab the one that did just a second uh, let's see I'm glad they have it um, highlight it with titles it makes it a little easier where is oh, where is it uh, let's see um, here it is okay and this is the one that stood out to me about if your brother sins against you basically how conflict resolution uh, straight from Christ's mouth on how to deal with it um, moreover if your brother sins against you go and tell him his fault between you and him alone if he hears you you gained your brother but if he will not hear you take with you one or two more that by the mouth of two or three witness, every, witnesses every word may be established and if he refuses to hear them let it, let tell it to the church but if he refuses even hear the church let him be to you like a heathen and a tax collector and we went over how that's how Jesus is basically saying do all you can to seek peace and pursue it when it comes to your um, dealings with each other um, so that there is not animosity but if someone wrongs you um, yes, it's called an offense here then try take it between you and them alone first off uh, and try and reason with them if they won't hear that take a couple other witnesses with you who you've t explained it to who can be objective and preferably mute, um, neutral 
and um, who can see that you're right and they're wrong. And if they won't hear them, Jesus is saying here the church, and that would, and this is one of the few times that be, up until now in the whole Bible, the word church is even used, um, specifically the word church. Before then, it's synagogue, it's temple, it's all kinds of other things. But the word church, as far as I can remember, this is like the first time it's really being used in the Bible, in the New Testament. Excuse me, in the Bible, and it's in the New Testament. So he's saying in there, in that case, then if they won't hear you one on one, if they won't hear you with two or three neutral, I mean, it would make sense if they're neutral witnesses, um, and um, if they won't hear you, then if they won't hear you, even using um, a right and wrong from a spiritual standpoint, um, as in love your neighbor as yourself, or um, charity and justice, mercy, that sort of thing, forgiveness, whatever it is that you feel would justify you according to what Christ has said, this is how Christians are to do conflict resolution, um, and they still won't hear you then. He says then, then at that point, that's when it's okay to treat them like you would a heathen, that's someone who doesn't believe at all, a non-believer, what we call an atheist, or even an, or an agnostic, or a tax collector, that's someone who you want to avoid. So um, basically it's okay to not maintain a connection there when you've done all you can to let them know they've wronged you and they still don't seem to care. So anyway, that was what happened in the last reading. We're going to pick up now in chapter 19 with um, today's reading. Alright, let's see. Okay, so it's going to begin with marriage and divorce. And you see that um, Jesus um, isn't saying this part, so I'm going to just read right through it and just give you a general idea of what's being said as we go. Now, it came to pass when Jesus had finished these sayings that he departed from Galilee and came to the region of Judea beyond the Jordan. So he's on the move, and great multitudes followed him, and he healed them there. So he's also healing people so he's become going viral as we'd say it now people are following him to hear what it is he has to say and gain access to him and he um healed them so they had access to things we wish we could uh healings for instance the pharisees also came to him testing him and saying to him is it lawful for a man to divorce his wife for just any reason so if you've heard of me before you know the pharisees are the religious people, the religious authorities at the time of the religion, uh, a specific sect of it, as a matter of fact. Um, and if you Google it, I believe that's it ended in 73 AD with the destruction of the temple. That's when all of that ended. The making animal sacrifices, all of that process ended, even though the religion itself lives on, or a sect of it lives on. Um, you know, people believe what they want to believe. Um, even, you know, believe what you want to believe. But so they're laying it out here where, um, that, um, they're asking Jesus a question about marriage and divorce. And they're doing this because they know, according to their religion, what the terms are. Basically, that only a man really can grant the, even get the divorce, the woman cannot. And, um, only under certain terms is it allowed. And then, even once. And so on and so forth. There's regulations with it. So they're asking him to see what he has to say and compare it to what their regulations say. Right? And he answered and said to them, Have you not read that he who made them at the beginning made them male and female and said... for Okay, so Jesus is saying here, asking them, challenging them with their knowledge of their own 
uh, doctrine about um, in the beginning and Genesis and everything and um, how it says there and even you know people don't want to accept it but he says at the beginning Adam was created both male and female he was not male he was not female he was both male and female and that's how Eve came to be because she was taken from him and since he didn't have I, we don't know what he had anatomically because there are people who are biologically and it sounds crazy but it's real there are people who are biologically male or female but appear on the outside uh, in their gender is something else and or even their body parts are something else that is just how it is that's life everybody's not does everybody doesn't fit in the box Excuse me. Everybody's not meant to. So, Jesus is asking them. So, he challenges them with their own doctrine. And said, for this reason, a man shall leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife. And the two shall become one flesh. So, he's saying, so according to your own teaching, at the very beginning, Adam was both male and female and was separated into the two. So then, from then on, people get married trying to become one again. The men look for their other half, their better half, that sort of thing. And he's saying, that's, and he's asking them the question, that isn't that what their uh, law and their teachings, their religion says? So then they're no longer two, but one flesh. Therefore, what God has joined together, let not man, let not man separate. So he's saying here, well, obviously, people, according to their religion, that the two become one. So then, if they're one according to their religion, then how is it that you're allowed to separate if you're truly one? And he's not affirming this. He asked them at the beginning, have you not read? So he's asking them in their own religion, isn't that what it says? But he's got an answer for them about all of this. And it's going to make all of it more clear. Let's see. And you see what why they're challenging him, how they challenge him with what he said. They said to him, why then did Moses command to give a certificate of divorce and to put her away? So they're saying, they're referring back to their religion, and this is what they were waiting for. This is why they asked him in the first place to see how he would answer and how it would contradict or compare to what it is they believe. So they go back to their teaching that Moses did allow people to get uh, men, specifically, not the women, um, Moses uh, to get a command and put her away. So the man was allowed to get divorces, a divorce and dismiss the wife, put her away. And that's true in some sects of that religion, even to this day. In some sects of that religion, and sex just means just like how some there's an, um, an umbrella term for Christianity, but underneath that umbrella there's Presbyterians, there's Baptists, there's Catholics, there's all these different groups. They're called sects. S-E-C-T-S, just in case you don't know what it means. But anyway, it's the same way now that so that the sects of this re, uh, survived even that. And then also, um, so they're saying, according to them, it's okay to get a divorce and then let her go. So Jesus replies to them. He said to them, Moses, because of the hardness of your hearts, permitted you to divorce your wives but from the beginning it was not so so he's saying Moses did allow that Moses gave you uh, that exception allows a man to go ahead and get a divorce but then Jesus says but if you go back to the beginning it wasn't like that that's not how it was meant to be from the start so then he's saying that's how Jesus responds to them and their religion and their teaching their belief 
And I say to you, whoever divorces his wife except for sexual immorality and marries another commits adultery. And whoever marries her is divorced commits adultery. So Jesus, is, Jesus makes it very plain and clear here that it's not okay if you... um have made and I think the point of him saying this is the point is the point of the point of it is that you've entered into a contract a voluntary contract with someone and they're relying on you to keep it and if you've broken that contact contract it means you should consider carefully what the contract is and if you say for better or for worse and under that umbrella for better or for worse includes stepping out uh, or in, inviting others in, then you're not actually breaking the contract. So as long as you keep it real with the person you're in that contract with, then no problem. But if you're breaking the contract, I think that's where the issue comes up. But uh, either way, Jesus has made it clear that marriage is something that only exists here while we walk as human, while we walk in flesh as life now it doesn't continue into the afterlife he's made that clear in like matthew 22 where he probably it's right it's coming up probably in the next couple of weeks if the world continues then um so anyway um jesus is saying there's specific terms for getting divorced no matter and i know some churches preach different things about it um about what the terms are and you can believe what you want and if you're just going by law uh, in some states, it's no fault. In some countries, though, uh, still only men are allowed to get the divorce. And in still other countries, and it's and you wouldn't believe it because it's a Muslim country. Um, what is it? I think it's Iran. It is Iran, where um, it's one. Of, it's a Muslim country, but it's one of the few countries where they'll actually change your sex on your. Um, and I was just saying how gender is different from sex. Sex is biological. Gender is sociological, psychological, psychological, psychiatric, perhaps even, or at least believed to be in the past. But um, anyway, Iran is one of the few countries that will actually change your gender, your sex on your birth certificate, not because they're trans supportive, but because they don't want to believe that there are homosexuals or people having same sex relations in their country. So to prevent that, if you present as homosexual, gay, trans, trans specifically though, but even as openly gay, you can be nudged into having a sex change and if you you don't have to take my word for it there's a wonderful documentary on it i'll try to remember to add a link to it uh when we finish when i finish this um it's called to be like others if you want to look it up it's free on online check it out it's incredible um but anyway um so jesus is making it clear if you want to if a if a divorce is is called for the acceptable term is sexual immorality, and sexual sexual immorality can extend beyond what you may think of as um, being just cheating. If he wanted to say adultery, he would have said that. He said sexually sexual immorality. I think to specifically include cases, times when um, one sex is held over them uh, or used as a weapon against the other. Like, for instance, domestic battery and that sort of situation. And that doesn't always mean male to female. That can be male to male. That can be fe it can be any couple or even nowadays trouble. So it, um, whenever that enters into it, that counts as sexual morality because you're using your sex 
as a power or weapon over the other person in the in the marriage. Excuse me. And Jesus says that in doing that, that constitutes adultery in his eyes. And like, again, if you're a Christian, it's his eyes that count. It's his judgment that counts. So um, that's what Jesus says is proper terms for a divorce. But notice he also doesn't condemn you to hell if you do get a divorce or if you get or if you commit adultery or if you uh, remarry. He's just letting you know the sin of it, the the nature of the sin of it so that you can't get it confused and so that maybe you'll see have clarity for a way out if you find yourself in a situation that maybe you maybe you got into voluntarily and you feel like you don't want to be in it anymore or even shouldn't be in or may not be healthy to be in anymore but because of whatever religious convictions you may have they may be compelling you to stay now you have a right from Jesus' mouth what's acceptable in Christ's eyes as far as uh, terms, uh, um, reasonable terms for breaking the terms of that contract you've in entered into. His disciples said to him, if such is the case that a man with his wife, it's better not to marry. So they're saying, hearing what Jesus says, it's better not to even enter into that contract. Don't even bother with it if that's the case. So now Jesus gives a teaching that he's going to let you know everybody's not going to be willing to accept. And it Everybody's not. But if you're a Christian, you should be open to hear what Jesus has to say about stuff and accept it. Even though, again, you may not want to. Um, so they're saying it's better not to even get married if that's the case. But he said to them, all cannot accept this saying, but only those to whom it has been given. And then notice the uh, punctuation. It's added later, but it's added later for our clarification to let us know. And when I say added later, I mean the punctuation itself This here. The semicolon, uh, the colon here, that just, it was added later by the people who transcribed it to give clarity that it's a list coming now as as colons are used. But it um, wasn't necessarily part of the original, because it's spoken, so we can't say that Jesus said, um, uh, it, it has been given colon. He doesn't, no one talks like that, so it's just so you understand. So anyway, he's giving us a list that he's about to let us know that what he's about to say is not going to be acceptable to everybody. And that's just the way it is. For there are eunuchs who are born thus from their mother's womb. And there are eunuchs who are made eunuchs by men. And there are eunuchs who have made themselves eunuchs for the kingdom of heaven's sake. He was able to accept it. Let him accept it. So in case you don't know what a eunuch is, you can search it and see. Uh, it's a castrated male, if you don't, and that just means someone who has had their testicles removed. Um, but that's not all that it means. That's not the only definite. That's not the only thing. Only way you can become castrated, uh, especially by modern um, means. There are drugs you can take that will block you and make you chemically castrated. They give. They in some states, uh, one southern state in particular, I forget which one. Maybe Oklahoma, maybe Arkansas, maybe Arkansas was castrating their prisoners at one point. Um, um, you know, I guess upon release um, to keep them from reoffending. I don't think that's right because they use chemical castration for one. And what sense does that make to add the burden of and expense and reliance on them to take the medication? If anything, offer people a plea and an offer to 
will physically castrate you so that you don't go out and attack someone else sexually again. And in exchange for whatever sentence it was they were facing for whatever crime it is they've been convicted of um, and awaiting sentencing for. I mean, at least as an option. It seems much more humane than locking someone up for God knows how long at God knows what expense and absolutely generally not to that person or society's benefit at the end of the day. Just something to consider. So that's eunuchs. That's what eunuchs are. Castrated male is generally the term for it. And castrated just means... And the point of castration, just in case you don't know of it, is to cut off that source of male hormones, that male energy that makes drives people to do things like want to have sex or chase skirts or sexually assault people or touch children. It's all interrelated because it's all... Um, it's what drives it. It's the sex drive that drives it. And it's not just in men. Women also have it. So don't think it's a statement, a sexist statement either. It just so happens that men generally have more of it than women. And uh, But women also, like I said, supplements. You can take a drug and increase your testosterone. And as a matter of fact, women do do that. That's how many female to male transgender people uh, exist and transition so convincingly just by taking the pills that shows you how strong the hormones and the drive can be um, and the effects of them it can grow hair it can stop hair growth it can do all sorts of body changes so uh, just to give you an idea so that's how castration works that's the root of why people would do it or at least most people in general but also even in ancient times it was done as a way of guarding it, again, when you think of marriage and divorce, it's not like it was now. So no matter what religious people may try and tell you, they're being hypocritical if they tell you they don't know that marriage has changed over the years, even according to the Bible, even during the time of the Bible. And Jesus is pointing out an example of it right here, that from the beginning, it wasn't like there were that where you can get married and get divorced. It was Adam and Eve and they were together and that was it. And um, according to their religion, and he's saying, but Moses changed it. He changed it, not God. Moses changed it. Jesus said it himself just now. So realize if you're trying to live by the Old Testament, you're not living by what someone, you're not living by what God had to tell you about things. You're living by, at least in part, what someone person had to say about things. And people are no more um, entitled to... Um, access to God than you are for anything God would have you to know. There are some people who choose to get closer to God in pursuit of that relationship, which is what is advised to nourish it, just like you would any new relationship, marriage, love. And I know I'm going off on a tangent here, so I'm going to get back to it. But it all goes to what Jesus is saying here about eunuchs. He's saying here that some people are born that way. Just like Lady Gaga said, it's not like everyone is born to get married and have children. And that's the point. How you know he's not talking about celibacy as it's labeled celibacy. He's uh, in some cases, yes, it is talking about celibacy where he talks about some born from their mother's womb. That uh, that uh, that uh, encompasses a whole lot of people, particularly LGBT people who aren't inclined to have traditional uh, straight uh, relationships that lead to having offspring and children. So in a sense, 
um, many of us are under on that under um, under the umbrella in that sense. But he's also saying there are some who were made eunuchs by men. That is, like I said, in ancient times, and I don't think I finished that thought. Sorry, excuse me. In ancient times, one of the ways marriage changed was that men could have as many wives as they wanted to. Right after Adam and Eve, you could see in Genesis, men started to have as many wives as they wanted or could afford or support or defend. So um, here, in speaking of defense, some eunuchs were men, big beefy men, or even in some cases, effeminate soft men to help with the harem, as some people call them, of women, of those wives, to help with them with their makeup, with their maintenance, with their whatever, with their defense even, but to keep, to make sure that the bloodline remained pure to the one husband who owned all the wives, because it was ownership, wasn't love, they were married because of uh, whatever social um, conditioning was in place at the time. So the women didn't have much choice, but the women were married to the one man, and so other men could be around to defend them and maintain them, but the men couldn't be trusted to have sex with them, so to keep that from happening, the men would be become units because men made them that way by cutting off their testicles. Then that way there was no sex drive to have women or to even chase or tempt the women the wives so that's what jesus is saying here when he's saying made eunuchs by men and there are some eunuchs who were made who have made themselves eunuchs for the kingdom of heaven's sake you can think of that as people who have who have made themselves eunuchs as in castrated themselves um uh, transgender people have done that and many do um go in that do that for religious convictions but not just them there are also um monks and um other religious zealots that do things like that in an order to clear your mind and as trans i've been on hormones before and they do absolutely do that they absolutely block any thoughts of sex and desire and chasing that you may have at all even if you try and pursue it in that moment and i'm someone who loves what they love when um even in that mo- but in that moment those thoughts aren't even there you might as well be in the kitchen chopping up meat so um um so there it's powerful the hormones are a powerful thing and so jesus is pointing to here that there are lots of different people in the world who aren't going to be meant to be married there are people who end up doing that because they end up that way like slaves would become eunuchs so that they could be around the wives like i said the multiple wives there are people who were born that way that would be gay people who have no choice in not wanting in desiring the opposite sex uh, just don't um but also could have been born missing something or um something like that physically i'm an old an ex friend of mine was born with only one testicle so and then that goes to the point of letting you know everybody is how we're meant to be because why else would god have you born that way if god has complete control over everything so that points to where jesus said some who are born this way born thus from their mother's womb so it is what it is and he says everybody's not going to be able to accept it except for those who's who it's been given to again that's gay people that's trans people that's people who are missing it from birth that's intersex people that's uh hermaphrodites that's everyone who doesn't fit into your idea of men are this and women are that so it's a whole lot of people that you don't know actually exist so sorry didn't mean to go off so long but that one kind of needed 
that one obviously hits home for me, but hopefully it gives you clarity about uh, the, the umbrella and of different people who are under it. Then little children are brought to him that he might put his hands on them and pray, but the disciples rebuked them. So now um, uh, parents who care about their kids and they're giving them direction, seeking God, are recognizing here that whatever the religion is it was that they believe they know that whatever Jesus is pushing that's what they want their kids to be a part of so they're bringing their kids toward him but Jesus said let the and but the disciples are rebuking him trying to keep the little kids back which you know everybody doesn't like kids but Jesus said let the little children come to me and do not forbid them for of such is the kingdom of heaven so Jesus is let, uh, letting the uh, disciples know that um, the one thing you ought to be doing is in making sure that you be like the kids. He said that in other places. And if you, unless you convert your hearts and become like little children, you won't even get it, get there. So here he's letting them know, let the children come because that's who it's for. And I guess a part of that goes back to children having the ability to have faith and believe. Like with the open and active imaginations to turn a sheet into a castle and that sort of thing. And he laid his hands on them or into a weapon of terrorism if you cut holes into it, depending on how you raise your kids, unfortunately. And he laid his hands on them and departed from there. So he blessed the little children. He's not shooing them away. He's saying, be like them, if anything. Let's see. Now behold, one came to him, came, I'm sorry. Now behold, one came and said to him, Good teacher, what good things shall I do that I may have eternal life? So you have someone wondering, how do I get to heaven, basically? So he said to him, why do you call me good? So uh, no one is good but one, that is God. But if you want to enter into life, keep the commandments. So Jesus starts out with, um, first, I think, wondering in sort of awe that he recognizes that Jesus is divine and he's good and but he's letting him know, in truth, only one is good, and that's God. So to let us know, although Jesus says in another place, a good man out of the good treasure of his heart brings forth good. So I think he's saying the good part that is in man, if there is some, it exists in our heart. It's not the man in ourselves. We just aren't. But he's saying here only one is good. That is God. And he's saying to reach heaven, to get there, if you want to enter into life, keep the commandments so when he says commandments obvious i mean may not be obvious but the 10 is basically what comes to mind when he says the commandments which he, he said to him which ones so now he wants to know specifically which ones do i need to keep to make sure i get there good question jesus said you shall not murder so he doesn't want you taking a life you shall not commit adultery although some people will try and turn murder into criminal homicide and try and split hairs on the definition of what murder is but it i mean it's it's intentionally taking someone else's life i mean that pretty much lays it out whether it's you're doing it out of revenge or uh abortion or uh the death penalty it seems to me they all fall under the category of murder because they're planned and you're taking someone's life but you know if 
that's he's saying it shall not murder. You shall not. And he, again, it doesn't say it's not forgivable. He said before the only thing that's not forgivable was denying the Holy Spirit. So even if you do any of the above, it doesn't make it good. But in fact, it means you're going to probably have to answer for it, just like any sin. But it's not unforgivable. You shall not murder. You shall not commit adultery. Again, not unforgivable. But he already laid out the terms of. Um, at least uh, of an idea of what adultery is. You shall not steal, clear, taking stuff that's not yours. You shall not bear false witness, that's lying on people, making up stories. Um, honor your father and your mother. Um, that seems pretty clear. And that doesn't mean you know, just doing whatever your folks tell you to do, but honoring them, that means I would think it would include in um, making sure they're okay and more than just ask, asking about them even, but making sure they're okay, making sure they're taken care of, making sure they don't want for things, make sure, making sure they eat. Um, and you shall love your neighbor as yourself. So um, loving your neighbor as yourself is the bottom line that shows where you really are at because anything you wouldn't want done to you, you're not going to do to someone else. That's sort of the umbrella. It's a good day for umbrella. Um, that's the one that's sort of the cover all commandment when someone else asks him, what's the great commandment? And he's saying, love the Lord, love your neighbor as yourself, basically. And that's because if you do love your neighbor as yourself, you're certainly not going to certainly not going to be trying to uh, make up stories about them, take their stuff, cheat on them, uh, murder them, all those things, because... You're gonna, you wouldn't want that done to yourself. Love your neighbor as yourself, bottom line. Um, and you certainly wouldn't want them planning your murder with the death penalty. So if you're going to call yourself Christian, you have to rely on what Jesus said. I'm not saying it's what Jesus said. The young man said to him, all these things I've kept from my youth, what do I still lack? So now he's realized, okay, Jesus has answers to what I'm wondering about how to get into heaven. That was the question. So now he's saying, okay, well, I've done all these commandments. I haven't killed anybody. I haven't cheated on his wife or wives. Because like I said, back then, a man could have as many wives as he could support, defend, or afford. Excuse me. He hasn't made up any stories about people with fake news. He treats his parents right, and he loves his neighbor just like he loves himself. So he's like, I've done all these things. What's missing? What do I still lack? How do I get into heaven? So, Jesus said to him, if you want to be perfect, go. Sell what you have and give to the poor. And you'll have treasure in heaven and come, follow me. So Jesus is saying, okay, well, you've covered all those basics that you should be doing anyway. Because if you're going to call yourself living by the Old Testament and the New, not a red letter Christian like I personally believe in. But if you're going to try and live by the Old Testament and the New, then you've got all those bases covered where you're doing handling all those commandments I just gave you so he's saying if you want to be perfect I know you got a lot of money the one thing you need to do is separate yourself from exalting that money above what I have to tell you and he's saying what I have to tell you is sell what you have give to the poor tap into your charitable side and he says and in that sense then you'll be doing what I tell you and then you can follow me so he lays it out to him very clear what he needs to do don't just do those. Don't do the basics. If you want to follow me, go the extra mile if you want to make it to life. 
So, how does he respond to that? When the young man heard that saying, he went away sorrowful, for he had great possessions. So, you can understand that. He's living large and doesn't want to step away from all his money and his means. So, when Jesus tells him, you're putting that above charity, you're putting that above following what I'm telling you to do, and you say, and it's your choice. You have the free will to do that. You can still just keep covering the basics. You'll be okay. He's saying, but if you want to be perfect, remember, that's what he asked him. That's what he replied to. If you want to be perfect, then tap into that charitable side. He's saying, that's how you can do that. He says, and then follow me. Come follow me. So he says, first you have to separate yourself from making sure that that's where your attention is. And then make sure your attention's on me. He's so, But you see, that's a lot to ask because he left at that point and went on his way. But look how Jesus replies to that. Then Jesus said to his disciples, Surely I say to you that it is hard for a rich man to enter the kingdom of heaven. So Jesus is tell Jesus lets them lets the disciples know just how tough it is to find that salvation when your comfort, when your reliance is on the fact that you can pay your way into anything or out of anything. Um, he's saying it makes it impossible because that becomes your God. That becomes your comfort. That becomes your, you don't need to pray to God to help get you through some sickness. You can pay a doctor. You can pay for a surgery. You can pay for the recovery. You can pay for the therapy. You don't need to rely on any miracle at all. You have your money. And again, I say to you, it is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter the kingdom of God. So Jesus is saying here that it's just that difficult to step away from faith and being able to pay your way in and out of anything as it is for a camel to go through an eye of an eagle. And you know how tiny a needle is, but some preachers will try and twist this just in case you haven't heard to say that he means a needle gate. For one, that's not what he said. And for two, if he did mean a needle gate and that he meant for you'd have to unload your ill-gotten gains, which he didn't say any of that. He just said that the, it just makes it clear the man was rich. But if he did mean that you have to unload all the things on your donkey to pass through the needle gate, which he didn't say, if he did mean that, that's not so impossible at all. You unload it, you pass your beast through, and you reload it up again. So he couldn't be talking about that either. He's saying very clearly, don't rely on those riches. You can use those riches for so much more rather than just relying on them to make you comfortable all the way till you get to heaven because he's saying if that's what you're relying on you may not get there because he's saying if you want to be perfect that's what you need to do tap into the charitable side of you the side of you that knows there's been a time when you needed something and someone was there and helped you with it tap into that remember that is what he's saying he's saying and then you'll be perfect and then he says and then once you do that then follow him so, but Jesus looked at them and said to them, with men, this is impossible. Wait, did I skip one? Let me see. Um, oh, okay, I did. Sorry. So when his disciples heard it, they were greatly astonished, saying, who then can be saved? So they're wondering, well, if even a rich person, because if you look at people as being rich, as being blessed, because you would think, if you're poor and struggling, obviously you're waiting for blessings. So if you've already made it to be wealthy and rich, then you must be blessed. God must be shining on you. Your life is easy. Your life is good. Is how people would look at it. So then the disciples are looking at it like, well, if this guy who's got it all is not getting into heaven, but he's blessed to walk through life with ease here, 
then who possibly can get into heaven if even one who's blessed here on earth isn't getting in? But Jesus looked at them and said to them, with men this is impossible, but with God all things are possible. So this lets you know Jesus isn't talking about passing an animal through a needle gate at all, because that's not impossible at all. He's the, He is talking about just as impossible as it is to pass an animal through that eye of a needle, it'd be just as impossible for someone who's trusting in the riches to get into to the kingdom of heaven. But he lets you know it's not impossible through God. It's through faith that you get there through the charity, through the following him. Then Peter answered and said to him, See, we've left all and followed you. Therefore, what shall we have? So now they're wondering... Well, what do we get out of all this since we've given up everything? And just in case you don't know, they start out mostly as independent contracting fishermen, basically, uh, most of them. Uh, not all of them. One was a tax collector, so a government employee. But they were different, and they've, they're saying, what do we get? We've given it all up. We're following you around. In some cases, they're being persecuted, and Jesus in particular almost thrown off a cliff in one instance. So they're saying, what do we get? So Jesus said to them, Assuredly, I say to you that in the regeneration, when the Son of Man sits on the throne of his glory, you who have followed me will also sit on twelve thrones, judging the twelve tribes of Israel. So this is something that's very deep that a lot of people will overread. Jesus says something very, very, uh, you can't overlook it. He says the twelve of them, that includes Judas Iscariot, the one who betrayed him and hung himself, the one who committed suicide. He's going to be there too. Jesus has already let him know he's got a seat there. So, and also he says judging the 12 tribes. So that lets you know that people who aren't Christian, but who follow the Jewish faith, the Hebrew faith, however you want to phrase it, are also going to be there and also going to have a place there. So that's why you can't group people into, uh, you can't generalize with people, period, because you don't know. And it's, you focus on yourself is the message Jesus gives again and again. But what Jesus shows here is that clearly, obviously, no matter what Judas did, he's made it in. And besides that, people who are of the Jewish faith also made it in, even though they don't. I think their faith in knowing a Messiah and Christ is coming is enough, in, at least according to Jesus, to get Abraham in when he talks about in Luke 16, how Abraham is there, not in heaven, not in hell, but in an afterlife. And... um just something to consider. Everyone who has left houses or brothers or sisters or father or mother or wife or children or lands for my sake, for my name's sake, shall receive a hundredfold. And, oh, sorry. And inherit eternal life. But many who, oh, okay. So he's saying, and giving up the things of the world in the pursuit of the things of the world, like he just told the rich guy to give up things and follow him. He's saying, if you do that, if you trade that off, if you trade off that pursuit of worldly excess, because he's rich, it's not just comfort, it's riches. He's saying, if you do that and give up that, but he says not just that, but even, because remember the subject just now was celibacy, which goes beyond um, just um, being single or being a monk. It could also include the whole umbrella of things we just talked about. Um, but he's saying if people are willing to give up that pursuit of uh, family, brothers, sisters, wife, all of that stuff, achieving lands, all that stuff, if you're willing to give that up and seek him, 
then not only will you get him because he's right there waiting with his arms open, but you'll also get all the other stuff as well that you're willing to give up. I think it's the question of if you're willing to put him first in your pursuit and make that your marriage, make that your oath. But many who are first will be last and the last first. So it, I think what he's saying by that is in the judgment when the time comes, the, the people alive in that moment when Jesus comes again, or as the Hebrew Jewish people believe, the Messiah comes the first time. I think in that moment, there'll be a judgment right then. But also, at, at least according to Luke 16, there's also a judgment that has already happened when people pass away, um, where they, they end up in Hades, as Jesus calls it. He doesn't call it hell. Or ends up in, he doesn't call it paradise and he doesn't call it heaven, but ends up where the beggar ended up, uh, uh, Lazarus. So um, I think Jesus is letting us know there's an order to things. And if you want to be with him, if you want to be faithful, I think is what he's saying, put him first. I think that's the tone of what he had to say here. And that actually ends this reading. I hope it was a blessing for you and I appreciate you checking it out. Uh, I hope you'll join me again. We have our Wednesdays where we go over the Gospels of John and Luke. And Saturday night after midnight, um, a little after midnight, um, early Sunday morning, we have our Gospel grab bag where we're going over the Acts of Pilate, uh, a Gospel that didn't make it into the Bible that gives a whole lot of details about the trial of Jesus so far and witnesses. And for whatever reason, it didn't make it into the Bible, but all kinds of other things did. And it's a shame, because if it did, I think it would affirm a lot of people's faith. Anyway, that's what we do Saturday nights. And then, of course, it's Mondays. So that's where we're going over Matthew, Matthew Mondays. In the meantime, I appreciate you checking out. And I hope you stay safe, wash your hands, wear your mask, love your neighbor. And thanks again. Peace.